You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil, and today I'm really excited to be joined by my yoga faith sister, Jody Tomei. Now, we are discussing her book, Jesus in My Practice, bringing the questions of Jesus to my movement, my meditation, and my mat. Absolutely perfect for everything that we have going on here at Rua Space, and we are always excited to bring more members of the yoga faith community onto the podcast. So many people in this group are just doing absolutely phenomenal work, and Jody is another one of those. So I think you will love this conversation, be blessed by it, and I do highly encourage you to go check out her book in the description below. Now, when you are down there in the description, you will also find some links to some very cool things we have going on here at Rua Space, including our Christ-centered yoga memberships with over 100 videos from yin and power to restorative and general flows and other guided practices meant to help you worship God with all of who you are, integrating all of it, making space to connect with God. We also have a link to our Patreon page, where if you've enjoyed some of these episodes and would love to support the Rua Space ministry, you can do so on Patreon. For just a few dollars a month, you can help keep the microphone on, as well as gain access to some really cool exclusive content. We've gone through Revelation and Psalm 23, We do monthly live events. We do guided prayer practices and more. So you can find that all on Patreon. And then finally, friends, if you are looking for more ways to go deeper in your walk, I now offer one-on-one spiritual direction where we meet over Zoom to discuss your story, looking for God's movement and voice in your life. So whether you've been on the journey for a long time or are new to it, this is a great space to just talk about that journey, to look for practices, to look for ways to go deeper, because ultimately it's my desire to help you relate to and experience God in real tangible ways on a regular basis. So I've seen some really cool things happen in spiritual direction, and I would love to set up a free call to talk about if that would be right for you. So you can find a link to set that up to inquire in the description below. You can also just shoot us an email at connect at ruaspace.com. So friends, we're glad that you are here today. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Jody Tomei. Jody, welcome to the Rua Space podcast. You know, I've known you virtually through email for a while, and it's really great now to see you face to face. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. It's good to be here. I'm glad um, we are able to connect uh, over uh, Zoom and uh, yeah, get to know each other a little bit better. I've always appreciated your teachings and everything you offer. So it's great to be here with you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, for our audience, many of them coming from the yoga faith community may know you, um, and some others may know you from some of your other books. But for those who may not know who you are, introduce yourself a little. What do you do? I know you have some other books that are out. Just share a little about yourself. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So yeah, my name is Jody Tomei. I'm from uh, Ohio. And uh, I have been involved in kind of what I call the dual paths. Um, I have been teaching fitness classes and involved in kind of different, you know, whether it's uh, uh, leading a dance ministry, um, teaching at the local Y, kind of the fitness, kind of the more the moving realm. 
And uh, that was kind of one path. And then the other path was um, I lead worship and serve. I've served in ministry at church for many years and um, went to seminary and got a degree in spiritual formation. So I've been doing kind of the formational route. Um, I'm certified or getting certified as a spiritual director. So I kind of had these two paths. One was fitness, exercise, movement, and the other was ministry. And um, I think it was at Yoga Faith where God finally brought those kind of two rails together. And I realized they were a train track, right? Because I felt like at times they were separate rails, but I realized they were parallel rails and became a train track. And um, so now, you know, I'm, I'm, I still help in ministry at church, uh, more on a volunteer basis, still lead worship, still help with um, uh, kind of more the artistic and the creative aspects of worship at church. Uh, but then uh, through my involvement with Yoga Faith, um, have now my fitness is more geared towards yoga, Pilates, the mind-body, offering faith-based classes and faith-based offerings. Um, I also teach uh, a trauma-informed model. So I work one-on-one -on -one with people as well. And, uh, and then of course that spiritual direction component uh, comes into that movement or comes into that space as well. So I like to consider myself an embodied spiritual director uh, because it's always about using the body. It's always about getting the body involved in our spiritual journey. As you well know, that's not um, unusual or unheard of for you. But for many people, they're like the body in the spiritual journey. What does that mean? You know, so I'm uh, here uh, hoping to teach people how to get the body involved in the spiritual journey. Yeah, I absolutely love all of that that you are saying because, you know, for many years, my journey did not have the body involved. Mm -hmm. um, I am much more, you know, I used to be in physics and math and that type of stuff. So my mind was very logical. So when I began studying scripture and, you know, working to become a pastor, it was all about the mind, about the beliefs, about the thoughts and, you know, sort of compound that with some of my, my history of anxiety and other things where the body wasn't a safe place to be mm -hmm. in, at least how I thought of it. I wanted to avoid that. Everything has shifted for me as I have brought the body into worship, into prayer, into that process. Was that always a part of your faith journey? Was that something that came later? How did, how did the body come to be so important for you in your worship and in your relationship with, with God? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think for me, I've always been um, very kinesthetically oriented. Like I loved taking fitness classes. I always loved moving. I grew up dancing, uh, twirled a baton for a while, things like that, you know. And so I was always very kinesthetic, always very active. And um, but my faith journey wasn't other than standing up to sing and sitting down to hear the word. Uh, those were my two postures of worship or receiving. And I really didn't know uh, anything different. And then, so two things happened at once. One, a worship dance team came and performed at our church. And I was like, stop, everyone who, wait, who said we could worship <laughs> and we could dance and worship? like? when did this happen and how did I not know about it? Right. Kind of. So it was like for me that day that watching them dance and watching them worship through movement, I was like, 
I didn't even know we were allowed to do this, right? Or are we allowed to do this? I didn't know we could dance in church. And uh, so that was one thing about the same time, which was kind of difficult. Um, uh, at, I was a worship leader, but I began to develop issues with my vocal cords and I had to take a long season of vocal rest and had to have surgery and all these things. And in that season, you know, I couldn't worship through song. I wasn't allowed to sing. And it was so hard because for me, singing was the way I could express my love and adoration of God. And I couldn't do that. And I just, all I had was to stand there and listen and watch other people worship. Uh, but God in that season was saying, you know, girl, I am teaching you a new way to worship. And I want you, I want you to find a new voice. And that voice isn't vocal. That voice is through your body. And I want mm. you to express things. Um, and I want you to speak to me through your body. And so that's where I learned. And I always say a little eight-year-old girl taught me to dance. This little girl, she was a part of this dance ministry that had come and danced at our church. And she and her mom began to work with me and dance with me. And uh, so basically an eight-year-old girl taught me about worship dance. Uh, and so she, she, her name's Shelby. She's involved in Bethel uh, ministry now and uh, still dancing uh, and a beautiful gal, beautiful worshiper. And um, yeah, so I always laugh that this little eight-year-old taught me that I could <laughs> dance in, in worship. Yeah, it, it's a major shift that when we learn to and realize the beautiful invitation to bring all of ourselves, um, especially as a male and, and, and females could have this experience as well. And not every male has this experience. So just for me, what I've experienced was, you know, my body was meant to, you know, hit people in sports, right? Like that was, that was it, you know, body check someone in a hockey game, that kind of stuff, not as a means for God to speak to me through both the feelings I like and the feelings I don't like so mm -hmm. much. They're all invitations. And so in your book, Jesus is my practice. And then the subtitle, bringing the questions of Jesus to my movement, my meditation and the mat. I, I love that. We are in the midst of Advent when we're recording this. It's going to release right after Advent. But this is the time when we remember the fact that God took on a body, right? Like, like this amazing affirmation of the body. Um, so what a great time to sort of remember that we, that we have a body that God needed to communicate through it. And so tell us a little bit then in, in light of that, how, how did this book come about for you? What are you sort of inviting people into in this book? Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot in my introduction to tell you. Yeah, I, I've written three books and this latest <laughs> one, Jesus in My Practice. Yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. But yeah, so this book actually came about, um, I was developing classes for my yoga faith students. And I wanted to begin to explore the questions of Jesus. So Jesus will say, um, you know, one of his first questions is, um, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house, right? Like, so this is when he's 12 and, and his parents have left him behind and they come back and frantic and there, there he is in the, in the courts. 
Which, uh, by the way, for parents who think they have to be perfect, he, here's right? a perfect example. They they lost their child for a few days. Jesus, for a few God. Days. They lost yeah. God, right? They so, lost God, so right? We can have some grace on ourselves. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a pretty big thing to lose, but they lost him. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, so these questions, like, so I just looked through the Gospels and began to pull back questions and I was, you know, I said to my students, what questions have you seen in the Gospels that you'd like to explore? And they'd say, um, you know, do you want to be healed? They're like, they want to explore the question, do you want to be healed? And and so I just began to develop these short um, devotional meditations that I could use for class. As the series, you know, went on, they just kept saying, you know, we like this series. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So um, I just thought to myself, you know, they really like this. It would be great if this was in a book format so that they could even refer back to it. Because a lot of them were questions that they were like, let's explore this question. So I kind of wanted them to have it for themselves. And so about three or four classes in, I said, I think this is going to be a book. And they were like, we'd love to help you write a book. I'm like, okay, folks, we're on for the ride. So we spent a long time in that series exploring questions and then COVID hit. So we stopped exploring. So I kind of put it on hold because I didn't feel right, um, you know, moving forward without my students. But after a while, you know, COVID lasted, you know, from the thing that was supposed to be six weeks, right? Uh, it lasted much longer than six weeks. Uh, and so I began writing again, began exploring again, and really like honing in on the book itself. Because I figured by the time we got back after COVID, it was kind of like, a weird place to pick up. So I'm like, okay, we're going to start a new series when we get back. Uh, I feel like we had to deal with some other things, right? Because COVID brought up so much in our lives. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was like, it's time for that series to be done. We're moving on. So uh, yeah, so I put, I began to format the thing, put it all together. Uh, and I told Phil, I got it up in a day. Uh, once I got it formatted, ready to go, I uploaded it. I did self-publish this one. I just knew it was a small market a small audience and um yeah and i had self-published before and i knew it was easy so yeah so that's how the that's how it came into being well i can tell you that's a minor miracle in and of itself because a day <laughs> to put all of that together would be a dream there's there's people right now throwing their computers because <laughs> they couldn't imagine it happening in a day but i really appreciate that you know diving into the questions it isn't just an academic diving into the questions. You're really inviting people to bring their body into it, to bring um, their breath, to bring, you know, heart openers, these types of postures. So maybe can you walk us through an example of how, how does someone bring their body into one of these questions of Jesus? And how does that sort of uh, heighten the experience, if you will? Yeah, yeah. So let's look at that first one that I talked about, the first question that Jesus asked which is why were you searching for me? And uh, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? So it's actually, you know, uh, you know, he's 12 supposedly in this story, uh, in the gospels. And um, he, uh, he stayed behind and he's hanging out in the temple courts. And we know he's asked many, many questions, right? What two, what three, what four-year-old doesn't ask a thousand questions a day, right? So this is the, we know the first question recorded in scripture. Uh, but what we talk, I kind of set up and kind of give them uh, in the book, I talk about the context of what's going on. 
um, even like any cultural notes or any notes that just kind of help set it set the stage. Uh, and then I talk on this one in particular, I write about, um, you know, the idea that our soul is always searching for home and the idea that Jesus had found his home there in the in the courts. Uh, asking questions and learning like he knew that this was his father's house and where else would you look for me like right he's like looking at his parents like where else would you look for me yeah. but in my father's house you know mm -hmm. and I talk about that heart's true home and you know and kind of what are we searching for and and what do we expect to find um and then this one in particular um I asked them to explore postures or stances uh, that remind them of searching like what does it look like to search um and i said perhaps reaching arms or feet stepping forward so what does it look like to search or even going back to the days of hide and seek how do we search how do we find uh and then i also encourage maybe you want to explore one hand on the heart as the other reaches in searching so just always in every every study that's not even a study every devotional uh encouraging them to explore the question itself understand its context then ruminate a bit on it and then then step into what what movements you know uh like you said uh sometimes i explore like a a, a chest or a heart caved in versus a, a chest that's open a heart that is open and uh, a heart forward posture um also exploring even simple things like hand gestures um stillness you know because stillness is i always laugh when i say stillness is a movement well it's not a movement but you know <laughs> it is a posture right yeah. that we can take exploring stillness uh, especially in our busy world where we're on the go stillness is often the posture we do need to explore because we don't spend a lot of time there no, no doubt. And, you know, for, for people who are uh, already sort of practicing postures of prayer, um, reaching out, the, the, the sort of movement of reaching out your hands or opening your heart with a, with a physical movement, we don't have to convince the people who are here because they already have your book, right? But, yeah. but there's some people who may say, well, why, why does that mean anything? Why does that add anything? And, and to sort of begin to answer my own question, I would just encourage people to look at the fact that when people were sad or repenting in the Bible, what'd they do? They'd tear their clothes, they'd fall on the ground, they'd throw ashes on their head. Like there's something fascinating and deeper that happens when things aren't just happening in our minds, but our bodies join in. Yeah. Well, and I was struck, was it yesterday or the day before? Anyways, we were, we were talking about Jesus uh, standing outside the tomb of Lazarus. And he looks up to talk to the father, like he's standing there. So a posture mm. standing and he looks up and talks to the father. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus, like of all people, like it just struck me, like of all people who doesn't need to look up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Who could look within. Yeah. <laughs> he chose to stand and look up and speak to his father in heaven. I was just kind of blown. I was like, whoa, wait. Like what? Like that one kind of just blew me away for a little bit. And just the, this idea that Jesus could have looked within to find God, mm. but still chose to stand 
and look upward. You know, that it is like a natural stance. When we talk about God, we often look up, right? We look up, we look heavenward. We look, you know, and not, you know, and then we could debate all day, like, does God really live in heaven? No, God is in within. And how is he in side and up in heaven at the same time right you know so right, all these right. in the mind begins to get blown you know like where is god god is everywhere and all around but why does jesus himself choose to stand and look heavenward yeah to talk to his father yeah, yeah. he he was fully integrated you know yeah. and that and i think that's part of it is when we can fully integrate you know we're we're sort of post enlightenment people here right so Whatever you think of science and such, you have been trained to think like a scientist in the Western world. And often that means what my, my feelings, my body don't matter. But I think what Jesus really felt was all of me needs to come to everything. And because mm. of that, I think he was able to see and understand things that we sometimes miss when we're not so integrated. You know, one yeah. of the things I appreciated, and you did it to just to sort of, sort of stick with the same question of why were you searching for me? You bring in the breath in, in all of these two. And of course, our name here being Rua Space is this Hebrew word <laughs> for breath. So we talk about uh, a breath, you know, probably more than anyone wants to hear. But can you share <laughs> your experience with breath and why that's something? Because you could have, you know, you wrote the book, right? But you could have brought anything in that you wanted to. But consistently, you invite, take a deep breath, exhale, inhale, so yes. what is the breath for you? Why do you make it so central here? Yeah. So I, 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 I follow right along with what you all, I mean, I love the name Ruach, you know, like what a beautiful name. And, uh, and then I don't know if you've heard um, the video with Rob Bell, where he talks about Yahweh and that the breath and the inhale. And yeah. I recently heard this image or, heard heard and then could visualize this image of that you know when when god formed man from clay right and he breathed into him the breath of life right and he breathes into like imagine like if you take that literally i know it was more metaphorically but if you picture god sculpting god the master artist sculpting man from clay and like i think of an actual sculptor i mean that could have taken like, I don't know how long it took God, but that could take a master sculptor years, you know, to sculpt and get it just right. And, you know, and so him creating and sculpting, yeah. but that was still a lump of clay. It was still earth. It was still Adam. It was of the earth. And, um, but then he breathed his breath of life into that creation and it becomes a living being. And so, so this imagery I got was, my inhale, I am inhaling God's exhale. So as God is exhaling, breathing his breath of life, I'm inhaling his breath of life, which is his exhale. And then as I exhale, which we exhale, right? Kind of the toxins, we exhale the waste, we exhale, we let go of what doesn't need to be incorporated within our system. And God somehow inhales that and metabolizes that, right? Like creation trees take our exhale and kind of metabolize it and make it oxygen again right and mm. and like the symbiosis of just the fact that he put man in this beautiful earth he created uh in the symbiosis that our exhale becomes something that living 
creatures or living plants need uh, and it becomes their inhale, so to say, yeah. uh, and then they create another exhale for us to breathe in. And it's just, you know, it's such it's that symbiosis. So I love that cyclical image of breath yeah. um, that the inhale and the exhale, it's so symbiotic. It's so cyclical. Breathing obviously happens all day, every day without us even thinking about it. And um, yeah. It, it just but but when we pay attention to the breath when we finally stop and pay attention to the breath it can become the very prayer that connects us back in so if we've prayed a breath prayer of you know inhale peace and exhale chaos the next time we feel chaos if we just return to the breath we can inhale that peace exhale the chaos inhale the peace exhale the chaos so yeah breath prayers uh really important to me i love you know obviously ruah that your name ruah it makes complete sense to me yeah. uh and uh you know right right there like i can see that breath of god um mm. filling all of creation and then creation taking our exhale taking our our waste really and turning it back into something beautiful again and isn't that what creation does over and over oh such a good image and such a reminder you know i mean one of the things we've learned here in the pandemic what was the rule always six feet right because yeah. you're going to breathe that you're going to breathe in which means if god breathes life into us God is really close. If every, yes. I mean, I mean, I don't, don't try this with a stranger, right? But if you're going <laughs> to breathe into someone's nostrils, like you, you're going to have to be pretty close, right? So right. returning to that breath is, is that reminder, you know, God is so close and it's just such a great invitation. So I appreciate how you invite people back to that over and over throughout this book. You know, one of the other things that you invite over and over, I mean, it's, it's, a significant portion of the pages of the book are the is the practice journal and yeah. I have yeah. really come to explore journaling with people a lot more recently you know I just think it's a great way to get things sort of out of the mind onto the page it's a great reminder why did you dedicate so much space to journaling yeah so I think you know one of my ideas was that you know that teachers would be able to use this and whether they're teaching yoga or they're teaching dance or they're teaching martial arts or whatever their movement practice is for me that was unimportant but there's that there's room to i know when i'm when i'm envisioning something i'll think of a movement or i'll think of like in yoga i think of a flow when i was doing when i was leading worship dance i would think of choreography i would think of these things and they would come to mind and i could see them in my head uh and then i knew i needed to write them down or i'd forget them right so one very practical just to have space like as you're going through the practice as you're meditating on the word of god and kind of doing your own movement in your own breath to jot down those practical things as a teacher that you might use later in class. And then for the, the person who isn't a teacher, so for the um, reader who is just a practitioner of any kind of movement, I wanted them to have space and prompts so that they could use that space to um, kind of tell the story, right? Our bodies speak in a language with beyond words, right? Our bodies speak 
they have their own language right but until we pay attention to that language and begin to translate it into words english or whatever spanish whatever your language is you have to help it's it's interesting you have to help your own self translate your own language right your body is speaking one language but your mind understands english right and so but you have to translate so i find that journaling is the translator it's where we figure out that a movement that's concave and pulled in and retracted says something to us that's different than a movement where our heart is open and expanded and forward and and by listening and paying attention to our body and the story that our body's trying to tell us then we can begin to hear what our body's saying and then that's why that journal space is so important because i wanted folks to be able to like explore like what does this feel like i do have like journal prompts in the very um back of the book page 139 and if we think uh it's kind of ironic because psalm 139 is of course one of my favorites uh so on page 139 there are journal prompts for the body because obviously we're incorporating the body here uh the mind because like you said not everyone uh, not everyone is a kinesthetic learner mm. like some people learn they they learn by reading they learn by um, audit, like lectures, like they are more a didactic learner. So we want to incorporate the mind. The mind is a beautiful part of our body. We want to incorporate the mind. I think a lot of times we try to, in, in the effort to reclaim the body, we, mm. we sometimes throw out the mind. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't go that way. Yeah. Like, don't throw anything out, people. Yeah, yeah, don't and swing the course, other way so far. Yeah, yeah, don't go the opposite way. Don't take the pendulum in the opposite direction. And then, of course, the soul, which would be the heart and the soul, uh, just incorporating, you know, what feelings, what sensations, what thoughts, all those things. What arose as you went through your meditation and taking note and then hopefully someday, you know, you could go back to those blank pages and see where you were in your journey. And if you chose to go through the book again, you could see growth, movement, even lack of growth, maybe places even where you've fallen backward. And, oh, yeah, I remember I learned that about myself, but now I forgot. I got to remind myself again, you know. Absolutely. So. When I, I like these questions, you know, things such as what were the sensations of movement I felt in my body? Where did I feel them? Did they have a color associated? These types of things. I think it's important because it helps name our experience, right? That one of the difficult things sometimes is we might feel something, but if we can't really name it and sort of enter deeper into it, it may not have that effect that it's inviting. We may have the experience, which, hey, sometimes that's enough, but naming it and really you know, writing it down helps us really enter into it and, and deal with it in a deeper way. A, a few weeks ago, I was interviewing Tremper Longman, who is, you know, an amazing Old Testament expert. I mean, Bible overall, he writes a lot about the Old Testament. We're talking about wisdom. And he said, you know, one of the central components of growing in wisdom is reflection, of mm -hmm. really digging into our own experiences and learning from it. And I just love that you're really inviting people by dedicating space in these questions to say that's that's a necessary step to to really take some time and, and explore it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, that's that translation. Translation, like a, an actual translator, if I'm translating from Spanish to English, that doesn't happen like 
like you have to think about it. You have to understand or even translating like the ancient Hebrew and the ancient Greek that are no longer spoken languages. Like you really have to understand and understand what the person was trying to communicate in that story um, or things get quote unquote lost in translation right and we we think of these metaphors and these little things that we say uh but it is true and we don't we want to always be listening to those sensations and i did ask that weird question does it have a color because for some people they don't necessarily see in images but they see in colors like i'm i'm not necessarily that way but i've met a lot of people that like i don't see anything but the color yellow and i'm like what's that about you know so for me it helped me understand that some people experience things differently you know like we are all different like you said you know you were very um logical analytical thing you know you you were really tapping into that mind space uh and then you began to kind of you know discover this whole other uh rest (laughs) of your body below the neck and you're like well but you know, sometimes when you experience something in the body, what does it do? It blows the mind. It does. Right? It heightens it. Yeah. yeah. So. No doubt. No, I, I appreciate that. And so for people to sort of enter into it where they are at, I think it's a really beautiful invitation. So the book is formatted around all these questions of Jesus, which is funny because, you know, I think we all are used to Jesus asking questions, but you start to see just how many times Jesus asked questions. And I think that was actually very rabbinical of him, right? Rabbis love to, you know, a teacher um, love to ask questions rather than just tell you the answer. Jesus Mm -hmm. is speaking in parables. He's asking questions, sort of forcing people to do the thing we just talked about, reflect on your own story, journal it, feel it, you know, sort of work through it. As you were working through these questions, did anything surprise you about them? Were you all of a sudden like, my goodness, I didn't, I didn't think about that question in that way, or I didn't realize, man, I've never tried to answer that question. Did anything surprise you? Oh yeah. So, you know, I always laugh because I actually am not a good journaler. I, I journaling, I don't know what it is. I, if I'm going to, I'd rather go up to my studio space and move. Right. And uh, it's hard. And then I'll write maybe a word or two, but I, I am terrible at journaling, but I do find when I sit down to write. So when I'm studying God's word and when I sit down to write at the computer, that is where I, I, there are times where I'm like, I'm not even writing this. Like I'm writing the words that God is kind of revealing to me in the moment. And so I'm always blown away. So all my books um, that I've written, they're all Bible studies. And so when I am, you know, exploring the word, I'm often going to the seminary library. I'm, I'm getting the more analytical. I'm setting the context. I'm trying to figure out Hebrew and Greek word meanings and really digging into understanding it more from not a logical, but a, a more in-depth, that mind, getting the yeah. mind in, you know, understanding what was going on. So much on. fun. So much fun yes. to do that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm, so, yeah. I'm the person who graduated from seminary and still hung out in the seminary library. That's right. Yep. Yeah. But then, you know, at some point I take all my notes, I take all my gleanings and I sit down to write a devotional and I am often in tears. I am often in tears, blown away by what Jesus or God was saying in the midst of those words. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know how many times I sat and I'm like, I'm not even sure this is for anyone else but me. 
And there's even a vulnerability because there are times when I'm like, I'm not sure I even want to share this because I feel like this study was just for me. Uh, but in the end, God gets his way and uh, and they end up in the books. But, you know, there are times when I am like blown away. So for me, that is my kind of my way of journaling. And it helps me, um, particularly when I'm studying God, uh, scripture, it helps me process what I'm hearing and um, take it to a, the next level, take it to a deeper level, deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've had that same experience and I, I, I love the study time too. I, of course, I haven't been in a library lately because of the world and everything going on with COVID, but yeah, you know, I, I love to continue to bring the mind into it as well. So as much as we've talked about body, you know, going into that level with the mind is also still just a, a fun place to go. Are, are there any of the questions that you wrote about, are, are there any of them that you're wrestling with right now or some that you're asking and seeking on? Not that you have to share too much personally, yeah, but yeah. are there any questions like, man, that one just stuck with me. I'm continuing to sort of uh, walk with it. Yeah. When I think the ones that have to do with healing, um, you know, are you in this, are you here at the pool um, of Bethsaida um, where he says, are you here in this space wanting to be healed? And he's, you know, he's been there, what, for 36, 38 years, I forget the number, but he's been there for decades. Of course, he's in that space getting, waiting to be healed. But mm. at the same time, he's been there a really long time. Yeah. And I wonder at what point he just gave up and sat at the outskirts and thought, well, I'm never going to get to the pool to be healed. So I'm just going to sit here on my mat and watch everybody else get healed. Oh, and, um, you know, and I recently lost one of my best friends to cancer. And so these healing questions are, they come up for me uh, because it is, it's like, you know, what, why do some people get healed and some don't you know and that happened in his journey along the way here on planet earth some people got healed and some people didn't and some people you know like the blind you know bartimaeus you know he is shouting jesus have mercy on me you know son of david have mercy on me a sinner he's shouting and so much so that people are trying to shut him up they're like go away, you know, go away, be quiet, you know, don't disturb him. But he insists all the more and he shouts and he shouts until, um, until he's healed, you know, he, he de almost demands the healing. And then here's this guy by the pool who has sat there for 30 some years and has essentially given up, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, so it just begs those questions. So those questions, I've actually lost two best friends to cancer. So I wrestle with those healing questions and why do some get healed and why do some don't and and what what does healing look like because we have like we see healing as when you get better like right if I have cancer and I get better. That's healing, but what but maybe God has a different definition of healing and i've had to wrestle that and I continue to wrestle that out because yeah yeah because cancer sucks and yeah it does and i'm i'm so sorry to hear about your friends that's yeah always a tough journey to to be on yeah. I'm, I'm reminded in that of ed dobson um, mm. who had als and yeah. he made a series of videos about the fact that there is no cure for als yeah but but the healing he discovered in the midst of it even though he he 
eventually died for he lived many more years which was an amazing blessing but as someone who knew he was going to die he shared about what it means to be healed in the midst of that and i found yeah. that beautiful and and challenging and yeah. yeah i think those are important questions to wrestle yeah. with absolutely well, and in my second book, which is The Creator's Healing Power, so I read a whole book on healing, um, uh, wrestling those healing questions out, but, um, you know, there is a difference between being healed and being cured, and sometimes the human body just doesn't cooperate, but the human spirit, right, like I feel like a cure happens to the body, but someone can be cured of something but not be healed because maybe the ravages of the disease still mm. hang with them. So even though they're technically cured or in remission, they live with this harrowing experience of the disease itself. And so they don't live a healed life. They live a cured life, but not a healed life. And then the opposite of true is true as well, that people, there are people who find healing, even though there's no cure, right? So he's a perfect example of someone who found healing, but no cure. And so I kind of differentiate, you know, like what does healing look like versus cure? And uh, yeah, sometimes we get one or the other, and sometimes we get both. And, you know, I mean, and sometimes there are some people that get neither, yeah. uh, but wrestling those questions out of cure versus heal, uh, healing. It, yeah, it helped. I don't know. You know, there, there are a lot of questions there right are. on this earth. That get, I always call it the file folder of questions that get answered <laughs> when I get to heaven. And yeah. um, I'm sure once I get there, that file folder just gets chucked to the side and it doesn't really matter because I, I, I truly believe those questions are probably answered in an instant. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, oh, and again, I would love to be able to answer those questions and someone listening may be working through that in their yeah. own way right now. And I know for me, something that I return to again is, is just that breath component, just yes. to return to the fact that God joined us in mm -hmm. the suffering. Yeah. God yeah. continues to join us in the suffering. So yeah. that doesn't mean that God is always going to heal us or cure us or make it better. Sometimes God does, sometimes God doesn't. We don't have the full perspective. But what I do know is that God is, is really close. And I think that's what you know, what you're inviting in this embodied mind, body, soul practice is to see God as close in, in all those spaces. So I think it's a really great invitation. You know, Jody, I, I would love to continue talking with you about this forever, but I want to, <laughs> I want to honor your time. So is, is there maybe a, a last word of encouragement or challenge that you would offer people on, on this journey and in bringing Jesus into their practice? Yeah, I think, Probably the biggest thing is, would be, and I kind of mentioned that earlier, uh, if you're used to moving, uh, maybe explore more stillness and see what that looks like for you. Because if you're very kinesthetic, very like me, I talk with my hands, right? Uh, very kinesthetic. So stillness might be the challenge for me. And then obviously for those folks that are like, I have never incorporated my body in my spiritual practice, I would encourage you to you know, begin to explore what does it look like to bring the body, to bring the breath into their, you know, it's basically your Bible study time. You know, what does it look like to bring uh, movement into those spaces to, you know, maybe explore those heart contracting postures, those heart expansive postures, exploring inhaling, you know, what do you want to receive, inhale that, exhale, whatever you want to let go. Um, so just exploring those things, seeing what that feels like, kind of 
almost try it on like um you know like us ladies we go to the the department store and we try dresses on or we try on an outfit and see if we like it so you might need to try on several different things before you get to the thing that fits uh but i just encourage you to try on some things and see what works and uh and enjoy it you know enjoy the exploration Absolutely. It's a great invitation. And Jody, you know, before we conclude, I just want to say thank you for sticking with me in this. We had a major technology snafu here and we solved it, but I appreciate taking a little extra of your time. Uh, but but to, to conclude, where would you like to send people that are looking to go deeper with your books, with your work, what you're up to? What can we sort of put in the description and people can find you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, most of my ministry stuff, there's some uh, Bible studies and then information about my books. That's at jodytomei.com. J-O-D-Y. Tomei is T-H-O-M-A-E. Uh, jodytomei.com. Uh, that's all there. Um, and then I also have another site that I'm just beginning to build. And it does refer back to the Jody Tomei site, but um, it's called fullyembodied.com. So that's a newer space um, beginning uh post, I shouldn't say post COVID, but as we learn to live with COVID, uh, how do we offer some retreats, some embodiment retreats, that kind of thing. Uh, so you'll find that information on fullyembodied.com. Yeah. Love it. Well, Jody, thank you so much for your time today. This was a blessing. It was a blessing to me. I'm sure people are finding some challenge and encouragement what you said. Really appreciate your time and highly recommend people go and check out all of your work. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great talking to you. We'll have to schedule another time to talk. Absolutely. 100%. Hey friends, Phil here again. Thanks for joining us in this episode today. Before you go, I just want to remind you of so much good stuff that can be found in the description below to connect deeper with Jody, as well as everything that we have going on here at Rua Space. So highly encourage you to go check that out. Let us know what you felt like in this episode today. Drop us a review. That always means a lot to us. But until next time, friends, grace and peace be with you. Mm -hmm.